Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. This is the post-game podcast from a massive Timberwolves win over the New York Knicks on Tuesday, or excuse me, Monday night. The Timberwolves withstood 57 points from Julius Randle. They got 35 from Torian Prince. We'll break down what happened. Which of my pre-game predictions, keys to the game, actually really kind of came to fruition in this one. Uh, what the Wolves did well in a really high-scoring affair and what they really struggled with. We'll break it all down on the show. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. Happy Tuesday, everybody. And it is a victory Tuesday, a huge Timberwolves win over the New York Knicks on Monday night. A ton to talk about in a really high scoring affair. Uh, so we're going to get to all that here on the show, individual studs and duds and the whole thing as we always do on the postgame pod. A big thank you, first of all, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Uh, remember, you can also... Watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, the Wolves, of course, coming. You know the 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 next leg of this road trip, three games in four days. The tough loss in Chicago Friday night when Ant got hurt. The double overtime loss, a game they really should have won. Saturday was always going to be tough on the second night of a back to back traveling up to Toronto, but with no Ant. It was really tough. The Wolves were still in it end of the third quarter, but ultimately lost, uh, you know, kind of going away. The Raptors won going away, I should say. So Monday night, the Wolves against the Knicks. The Wolves get out to this big lead early. Minnesota shot the the lights out at Madison Square Garden. They made their first 10 or 11 shots in this game. Um, overall, in the first half, the Timberwolves shot uh, 71% from the field in the first half of this game. They had 79 points at halftime. The Wolves also shot 77% on three-pointers in the first half, which was the best uh, best three-point percentage for a half of any team in the NBA this season, for any any half in the season, uh, any team. It was the best percentage, 77% from deep, 71% overall from the field. Now, of course, the Knicks scored 70 of their own. They had a, The Wolves had a nice double-digit lead for much of the first half, but the Knicks used this second-quarter run to pull back into it. So it was 79-70 at the break. And the Wolves in general offensively, like, yeah, there's an element of like, there's a, a, you know, it's contagious, right? Just like misses are contagious. Makes can be contagious too. Everybody was, everything they were throwing up at the room was going in. Jalen Noel, by the way, back after missing 10 games, you know, over a month now with the knee issue, he was back on the floor, played really well, especially in the first half. Uh, McDaniels played well, except for some foul trouble. We'll talk more about that here in a minute. Prince had 20 points in the first half. Conley was good. Uh, Nas Reed was good in the first half. This was just a well-rounded half of offensive basketball for Minnesota. The problem is the Knicks scored 70 of their own. And uh, I, like in Monday's show, I talked about, you know, kind of recapping the weekend and previewing the Wolves-Knicks game. The things that I thought were most important, number one, I talked about the Timberwolves not getting into foul trouble on the perimeter. And Anthony Edwards not being available, that hurts obviously offensively, right? We talked after the Toronto game Saturday about the Raptors were daring the Wolves. You know, the, the Raptors were playing zone. They knew no, the Wolves didn't have anybody to drive seams. No dynamic ball handlers that were really going to break down the defense and initiate offense that were willing to get into the paint, draw fouls. Uh, and they were right. That's how the Raptors beat, you know, one of the reasons the Raptors beat the Wolves Saturday. So I was 
thinking like, hey, you know, obviously on the offensive side, you miss Ant. But defensively, uh, other than Jaden McDaniels, Torian Prince didn't play well over the weekend, Friday, Saturday. Uh, so you're relying on Prince, you're relying on McDaniels, you're relying to a lesser extent on Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker off the bench. You need guys that can defend their positions on the perimeter with no Anthony Edwards. And I was very afraid of the Wolves having to deal with um, you know, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, uh, Jalen Brunson. Like Without Ant available, McDaniels can't get into foul trouble. Prince has to play well. Uh, you know, Prince can't get into foul trouble. Kyle Anderson can't get into foul trouble. That was my number one concern. And here we are on Monday night, and most of those guys had three fouls at halftime. Jade McDaniels only played 10 first half minutes. Rounding up, he played 10 first half minutes because of three fouls. And and a couple of which were real ticky-tack. The third one was very just, it was a foul, but it was a poor decision by McDaniels. And, and the type of foul that he's largely eliminated from, I shouldn't say eliminated, limited compared to where he was the last two years and early this season. Remember, the first time the Wolves and Knicks played, he only played 16 minutes in that game. Maybe it was 19 minutes. And he fouled out in under 20 minutes when the Wolves and Knicks played in November. In this game, he had three at halftime, only committed one foul in the entire second half. But at halftime, McDaniels had three fouls. I believe Prince had three fouls. Kyle Anderson had three fouls. Jalen Noel picked up a third foul right before halftime. Um, And it was just an absolute foul fest. And it was one of the main reasons the Knicks were still in this game was the the Wolves just kind of shuffling guys in and out and the Knicks getting a ton of free throw opportunities. It was one of my concerns coming into this game. And the Wolves... Sure enough, it was an issue. And ultimately for the game, the Wolves actually ended up shooting four more free throws than the Knicks. It wasn't nearly as bad at the second half. Because again, Anderson had three fouls at halftime, had zero in the second half. McDaniels had three at halftime, had one in the second half. Prince had three at at halftime, committed two fouls in the second half. Nobody fouled out. Nobody had, uh, only one player had five fouls for the Wolves. So they cleaned up their defense. They started defending without fouling for the majority of the second half. That was huge. And that was a big reason for this win. Um, The other thing I talked about in the pregame show that was actually, this This kind of brings us into the second half. It's a good segue to talk about the second half of the game, was rebounding. Now, there weren't very many rebounds in this game because uh, both teams shot the lights out, and and, and it was partly poor defense, but it, in my mind, it was more actual, just legit great shooting by both teams in this game. More of that. There was certainly some bad defense, but there, there always is on some level, right? The Wolves shot, finished the game shooting 61.4% from the field. The Knicks were 56.5%. So both teams shooting greater than 56% from the field. Both teams shooting above 50% from three. And one team with 30, you know, but the teams combining, we'll say it this way, combining for 60 free throws in this game. There weren't a ton of rebounds to be had. Each team finished with 34. Each team had seven offensive rebounds and 27 defensive rebounds, according to the box score I'm looking at. So the Knicks, one of the league's best rebounding teams, I think they're, what, second, if I remember correctly, they're second in defensive rebound rate coming into this game. And the Wolves rebounded them to a draw, which again, matters less when this many points are scored. But there were still a couple of moments where offensive rebounds were significant. A couple of significant moments where offensive rebounding really mattered in this game. And the Wolves did what they could and did a good job canceling the Knicks out on the glass. It turns out if you make all your shots, and I guess you let them make all their shots, rebounding matters less. So that was another one of my concerns coming into this game was uh, was could the Wolves hang with the Knicks on the glass? Um, you know, obviously without Carl Anthony Towns and, and just generally with a, a bit of an unusual lineup. Um, and the Wolves were able to do that. I thought they they did really well on the glass overall. The other thing was getting Jaden McDaniels involved. And the Wolves tried it early in the game. And then he promptly got into foul trouble. But as the game wore off, wore on, I think he had the first bucket of the of the second half for the Wolves. Um, 
he was he was involved. Um, he had no assists and he did have four turnovers. He didn't play as well as he did Saturday, but he had 18 points on six to 12 shooting, made a couple of threes, got to the line four times, which is good to see, had four rebounds. So a, a decent game for McDaniels. He played 10 minutes in the first half, 16 in the second half. Um, I, I would have liked to see him more involved, but it was the foul trouble more than anything else that kind of capped what the Wolves were able to do with Jaden McDaniels in this game. Uh, but generally, very pleased with how he played. All right. I want to talk a little bit more about about down the stretch in this game and and the Wolves and Randall and and I guess kind of what developed um, and then also a couple of additional takeaways from this one. Uh, so we're going to do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our presenting sponsors over at FanDuel. The tournament, you know what tournament I'm talking about, is heating up and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. Uh, you know, Big games coming up this week starting again on Thursday. And uh, plenty of uh, interesting matchups, to be sure. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, additional takeaways from Wolves-Knicks on Monday night. Um, The Timberwolves defensively, Again, I don't think they were awful. Like there were some issues. I, I think the most frustrating thing, and you could tell this with Chris Finch on the sideline, is that the Wolves, when Randall got hot, they just couldn't get out. They weren't consistently getting all the way out. Like they were doing, and, and I don't know what the actual scouting report that the Wolves used against Julius Randall was, but the guy, I know he was in the three-point contest, but what, he was 34%-ish coming into this game. You dare, I, my opinion is you dare him to shoot threes unless he gets hot because obviously he can make threes. He's a volume three-point shooter. He starts feeling that confidence. Those are the types of guys that can get piping hot. And on nights when they're cold, they're going to shoot him and they're going to miss him, right? Well, he got piping hot early in this game and the Wolves couldn't get refused to get all the way out on him. Kyle Anderson was a culprit for a lot of it. Nas Reed in the second half, especially. And it's like they were getting close enough to kind of lightly contest the jumpers, thinking like, ah, he's 34%. He'll miss a couple of these. Well, I mean, when a guy's that hot, you got to get all the way out. He had 57 on just 29 shots, 8 of 14 on threes. Randall had 11 of 13 at the line. And Jalen Brunson had a couple stretches where he was pretty dominant in this game as well. But besides that, nobody else on the Knicks really did a ton of damage. Quickly did off the bench a little bit, but I mean, he wasn't super efficient. Um, and, and I think, you know, any minutes he was on the floor trying to do damage in, in place of um, Brunson and, and honestly, RJ Barrett scares me more than quickly does. Uh, you know, like you can live with that, right? You can live with a volume score off the bench coming in and getting a few buckets, but, uh, I mean, you can't give up 57. And so the wolves actually had a couple of really nice defensive possessions late where they brought a late double when he was kind of in the mid post. There was one in particular, I think it was maybe a one possession game late in the fourth quarter. And it was just a crisp rotation. I think it was Conley dropped to pick up, um, the the I think it was Mitchell Robinson or whoever's underneath the basket or Hartenstein maybe um, and the rotation was crisp it was perfect the Knicks ended up missing a contested mid range floater or something the Wolves got the rebound Prince grabbed a rebound tough rebound went back the other way it was just a a, a clinic and how you want to bring a late double to get the ball out of a post hands and and the Wolves don't like to double they don't do a lot of it um, and certainly not on in the post I mean teams aren't posting up that much anyway right. 
but it was the right moment for it. And also the Wolves, I mentioned rebounded earlier, and I should have mentioned this at the time, but the biggest play of the game, of course, was that final rebound that Kyle Anderson got on the offensive end of the floor, knocking it out of Julius Randle's hand. I don't think he had both hands on it, but knocking it out of his hands to allow the Wolves to, to get the loose ball and ultimately get fouled and go to the line. Um, or I, I'm sorry, they didn't get fouled, I guess. They they ended up getting the, uh, the Prince, um, calmly pulled the ball back out, drove the seam on the left side of the paint, dished it to Prince. Prince got the layup for the win uh, to, or to make the lead a five-point game and effectively win the game. But that play by Kyle Anderson over Julius Randle, I mean, Randle only had four rebounds in this game. And he's not like a, a massive, vo- <clears throat> excuse me, volume rebounder. But uh, the Wolves did a really good job on Randle and kind of limited his opportunities on the glass as well. And when I say did a good job on Randall, I mean on the glass, not defensively. Obviously, Randall, we just talked about him scoring 57 efficiently. Um, but in general, I thought the Wolves' adjustments very late in the game were good. I don't know that the game plan was off. I think the execution was just a little bit lacking. Um, and then also Randall got extremely hot. And there's only so much you can do about that. Another notable takeaway from this one um, was... Chris Finch's rotations and you look at the box score and it doesn't look all that unusual, right? Like you have three bench guys between 16 and 20 minutes, or excuse me, four bench guys between 16 and 20 minutes. You have all the starters between 26 and 37 minutes. Like it looks pretty normal, but the combinations were really different. Um, and I'd be curious to look at some of the, the, you know, the actual like two, three man combination net ratings in this game. Everybody in the starting lineup for the wolves had a positive plus minus led by Torian Prince's plus 28. Everyone in the bench, off the bench had a negative plus minus, but we saw Nas Reed and Rudy Gobert play some significant stretches together, which surprised me a little bit. Um, now the Knicks do have some size, right? Like they've got a pretty big team in general. Um, you know, when they, they can roll out Hartenstein and Toppin and, and even their guards are just big. Um, so it makes some sense that Chris Finch did that. And, and we talked about rebounding, right? The Knicks are a really good rebounding team. So part of Finch's counter was to play Nas and Gobert together. He also played, uh, Mike Conley and Jordan McLaughlin together a little bit. We saw Austin Rivers play the first three minutes of the fourth quarter to get you know to get in the mix a little bit, apply some ball pressure. Uh, I just thought the rotation choices were a little bit different, and of course they have to be when Anthony Edwards isn't available and and you're still kind of scrambling to find the right combinations. But I, I thought it was it was um, well done by Chris Finch in this game. I thought that the the right buttons were pushed, the right levers were pulled in terms of the rotation um, in general, and uh, I, I thought that was uh, significant. Also, the Wolves came up with big defensive plays. I'd mentioned the double earlier. They finished with nine steals in this game. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin had two. Jalen Noel had three steals. Mike Conley had a couple. Uh, we should talk a little bit more about Mike Conley. Um, defensively, I thought he was very good, and he's not the Mike Conley def- defensively that he was, you know, say back in Memphis when he was an all-defensive type player. But uh, he was, I thought he played well. Um, and obviously Jalen Brunson had a good game, but Conley made life difficult. Brunson was nine of 18 from the field. Um, you know what the wolves are trying to do defensively, just kind of try and be physical as much as possible. But I thought Conley, especially down the stretch was really, really good. Um, Kyle Anderson had a couple of big defensive plays. He had the steal that was overturned, um, initially called a foul, but then overturned off the challenge. Kyle Anderson played well defensively too. Uh, and again, obviously they gave up 134 points and 56 and percent shooting, but it was the big plays down the stretch, the big rebounds that grabbed all those things together, uh, you know, worked worked to uh, to combine for a good finish to the game for the Wolves. Um, the last thing would be the actual close to the game. Um, 
I, I mentioned already the the rebound that Kyle Anderson got. I thought the Wolves' offensive possessions. We, you're talking about a team. We talked about this the other night. I think this was after Friday's game. Marty and I talked on the postcast about how hard late game offense is when you don't have somebody who could just go score. Remember that Chicago game Friday night? The end of regulation, there's the double dribble from Kyle Anderson. They get off a, a contested off-balance three from Jane McDaniels that misses, and then you don't even get the chance to get a last-second possession at the end of the second overtime because it wasn't a close game at that point. But without having that guy that can go get a bucket against anyone at any time, like Anthony Edwards or D'Angelo Russell, the Wolves have to rely on ball movement. They have to rely on pick-and-roll execution, and, and Conley did that to a T late in this game. Um, Wolves got a couple of really nice looks, and... Yes, he had a bad turnover at one point, but in general, having somebody like Mike Conley, who's been there, done that, knows the drill late in games, is so important. And that's exactly what we saw in this game. Um, Conley was a big part of that. Conley was a big part of that. And, and again, the execution looked so much better than it did Friday. Um, even if even if it was kind of a broken floor, reset shot clock, the Bulls are you know a little bit kind of, do we foul, do we not foul? Still, that Conley driving the seam, dishing to Prince was just such a beautiful, and Prince has a cutter. Don't miss that. The Wolves don't have a ton of guys still, uh, at least not healthy players, that are comfortable as cutters, that do a lot of it, right? They've got a lot of guys who can initiate, like a Kyle Anderson. McDaniels is more comfortable at it now, but like Torian Prince, we haven't seen Alexander Walker much as a cutter, but that cut from Torian Prince was so timely, and the pass from Mike Conley was fantastic. All right. Let's close the game here or close the podcast here today with uh, a little bit of individual studs and duds, as we always do on the postgame podcast. All right. Individual studs and duds from Wolves, Knicks on Monday night. Uh, Torian Prince, obviously. Fantastic game for Torian. 35 points on just an impeccable 12 of 13 shooting, 8 of 8 outside the arc. I can't even remember his one miss. Um, 3 of 4 at the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 turnovers in this game for Prince. Five fouls committed. He had three in the first half, did a good job of staying out of serious foul trouble in the second half and finished with, as I mentioned earlier, and I don't like single game plus minus, but when you score 35 in a game like this, Prince had a plus 28 plus minus. The next best mark on the Wolves was a plus 18. So 10 points better than the next best plus minus mark. A really strong game for Torian Prince. And and frankly, like maybe this is obvious, but they don't win without Torian Prince playing this way. And I was very critical of TP on Monday's podcast. He had a bad weekend. He wasn't good on Friday in Chicago. He wasn't good as a member of the starting lineup. He was actively bad on Saturday against the Raptors and uh, had a costly play actually late in that Bulls game. He had that bad turnover. Um, I can't remember. I think it was the end of the first overtime. The Wolves were up two with the ball going the other way, trying to force the Bulls to follow or get a steal and Prince turned it over. Um, this game, though, the Wolves do not win without Torian Prince. And it's not just that game ceiling layup. It was the 20 in the first half, the efficient extremely ultra otherworldly efficient shooting uh, defensively. I thought he was good. Uh, you know, all of those things Torian Prince brought to the table in this game, a really, really nice game for Torian. Mike Conley, 24 and 11 also is a stud in this one, six of 11 shooting three of five outside the arc, a perfect nine of nine at the free throw line. Uh, Conley is uh, like, this is what I think the third game now, third or fourth game, he scored 20 or more in a Timberwolves uniform. He did it, I believe, with the Jazz one time this season prior to coming to Minnesota in the trade at the deadline. Um, Conley knows, like, I mean, it's obvious, right? The Wolves need him to step up and score, and he did that. I mean, the Wolves' two leading scorers in this game were Mike Conley and Torian Prince. These are both veteran guys who, it, their role is to score 10, 12, 14 a game, play solid defense, distribute, etc. Prince is usually coming off the bench. But with no Anthony Edwards, no Carl Anthony Towns, and just a weird rotation, um, 
those guys knew they had to step up. And Conley was massive. I mean, we talked last segment, I spent a minute talking about how good that last play was. Um, you know, that that bad turnover a couple possessions before that allowed the Knicks back into it right after the challenge call when the Wolves were up six led to the traditional three-point play. That Conley turnover was bad, but he was just just as good on that final possession as that turnover was bad. So a really, really uh, great game for Conley. My third stud, I mean, you couldn't go wrong. There's a couple choices here. You could go Jade McDaniels. You could go Jalen Noel. I'm going to go Jade McDaniels. Um, I thought in general he he was a little bit better. He certainly brought more defensively, as always, versus in comparison to, to Jalen Noel. Um, but Jaden had 6 of 12. Again, foul trouble was an issue in the first half, and it's really what kind of, for a moment, you know, had, had me leading Jalen Noel for the third stud because McDaniels took himself out of the game with some silly fouls in the first half and the Wolves really needed him, but he was good down the stretch. He hit a couple of big shots once again, 18 and four, six of 12 shooting, two or three outside the arc, four or four at the line uh, for McDaniels. Duds in this game, I, I don't really have any. I don't think anybody was actively bad. Like you'd like to get a little more out of Rudy Gobert. He had 16 and seven, uh, but you know, tough, tough, matchup for him like you know Mitchell Robinson's not like a world beater but he's a good player and and Hartenstein like there's some good size that the Knicks have and they play physical and big I thought Gobert mixed it up and played well Kyle Anderson like you'd like to get a little more out of him but how often have we said like he's gonna gone above and beyond what we would have expected McLaughlin shot just one of five but he had five assists and two steals and only one turnover and I thought he played really well Nas was good we should talk a little more about Jalen Noel 14 points four assists and three steals and a block in 20 minutes in Noel's return to the lineup, he was not playing well prior to the knee injury. So it was really good to see him come back and, and, and play well. He missed his only two three-point attempts, but overall was 7 of 13 from the field. Never one to uh, to turn down a shot. Actually tied for the team lead in field goal attempts in 20 minutes off the bench after not playing for a month. Uh, but that's what we'd expect from Jalen Noel. Overall, a good performance from him. Again, 14 and four assists and three steals. 7 of 13 shooting. The Wolves will take that, I think, uh, pretty much any night of the week from Jalen Noel. Uh, by the way, around the Western Conference uh, on this night, so as I'm recording this, I'm recording this a little bit after the game, the Kings and Jazz are playing in a close game in the third quarter right now. Uh, I believe Markkanen's not playing for the Jazz, so this should be a Kings win. Um, elsewhere, Golden State did beat Houston and Memphis beat Dallas, so the Memphis over Dallas thing is, is obviously helpful for the Wolves. So pending the outcome of the Jazz-Kings game, sitting here right now, Minnesota is is a half game behind Dallas, even after the Dallas loss and the Wolves win. They're half game behind Dallas in the West. The Wolves are actually virtually tied with the Thunder for eighth in the West, a half game up on the Lakers, a half game up on the Jazz for an 11th. Um, but remember, the Wolves do have the tiebreaker over the Mavericks. So they're effectively, you know, if, if they win one and Dallas loses one, they'll effectively be two games ahead of Dallas because of that tiebreaker. So still very much in, in the mix in the West uh, to get out of the play-in still. I mean, they're only a game behind Golden State for six. And, of course, play Golden State here coming up very soon. So Wednesday, the Wolves return home to take on the Hawks, the same Hawks team the Wolves beat last Monday in Atlanta. So a massive game. Wednesday, we'll, of course, preview that. We'll look at what else happened around the league on Monday and Tuesday night. Um, and, uh, you know, again, give that standings update. We'll look at that matchup. We'll talk about I want to get into a little bit of McDaniels lineups, too. Uh, we, we talked a little about McDaniels individually on Monday's show. I want to spend some time talking about lineup combinations with Jade McDaniels on the floor since if I'm my prediction is Ant doesn't play Wednesday either because the Wolves don't play again after that until Sunday so just give him that full essentially this full week off and perhaps he comes back to play Golden State on Sunday 
Um, but anyway, we'll talk about that Wednesday. We'll talk about those McDaniels lineup combinations. I think there's a lot of pretty interesting um, uh, things to look at there. All right, that's all we have for you today. Of course, we'll be back Wednesday, as I mentioned. Um, be sure you check out the live postcast after each Wolves game. Marnie and I went live after Monday night's game as well, so go check that out. It's the last episode before this in the audio feed, or you can watch the video on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. We'll do that again after Wednesday night's game against the Hawks. Again, about 45 minutes or so following the game, you can catch us live on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Once again, uh, a big thank you for listening. Uh, this show is available wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find it um, any audio platform. You can also watch it on YouTube. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Uh, you can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Now make your second listen. The Game to Game NBA podcast, every moment, every top performance, and every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.